Genesis chapter number 13 and verse number 1. If you're there, say amen. The Bible said, And Abram went up out of Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had, and lot with him into the south. And Abram was very rich in cattle and silver and in gold, and he went on his journeys from the south, even unto Bethel, unto the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and Hai, unto the place of the altar, which he had made there at first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord, and Lot also, which went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents, and the land was not able to bear them, that they might dwell together, for their substance was great, so that they could not dwell together. There was strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle. And the Canaanite and the Perizzite uh, dwelled then in the land. And Abram said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between my herdmen and thy herdmen, for we be brethren. Uh, I, I I find it very interesting that Abram is begging for there to be no strife, and it's upon the occasion of we're brethren. Uh, he, he, he doesn't know, apparently, that there's strife and contention uh, between the two. Notice verse number 9. Abram speaking, he said, Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. Now, there's no nicer way to say, I understand we're out of room, but I'm not wanting to break fellowship. I'm not wanting to turn sides, and I'm not uh, wanting to be uh, opposing enemies. I just, I just want you, I'm praying for you to do the right thing. Uh, continue in verse 9. If thou wilt take the left hand, then I will go to the right. Or if thou depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere, before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zor. Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves the one from the other. Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent toward Sodom, but the men of Sodom were very wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. Tonight I want to continue on. Probably not going to finish again. That's all right. I want to continue on on this thought that God has had me studying and God's been speaking to my heart about. And if I could, I want to continue the thought and preach on this subject tonight. Carnal Christianity. Carnal Christianity. Please pray for me and pray with me tonight. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we thank You for the opportunity to be here one more time. Thank You, Lord, uh, God, that there's still an old rugged cross, Lord, that sinners, uh, God, can be washed clean from their sin. And saints, Lord, uh, can renew fellowship with the God of heaven. Lord, it's amazing to me, God, that You'd take time out of eternity to love such beings as us. But Lord, we do thank you. We bless your name for all that you've done. I pray tonight, God, Lord, that you'd give me that unction, that power, and that touch, Lord. I pray, God, that you touch my mind, touch my uh, my motives, Lord. Touch my message tonight, Lord. Please help me to help them. God, I can't do it alone. I'm asking for your help tonight. So please, Lord, come by my way. Touch me one more time. Use me one more time. Preach me one more time for the effectual working of the power of God and the Holy Ghost in the hearts of your people. And for what you do in us, through us, and for us in this place, we'll be careful to thank you and praise you in Jesus' name and for his sake. And all God's people said, Amen and Amen. I won't try to re-preach everything I said 
on Sunday, but I do want to remind you that Lot in the Word of God is the greatest, one of the greatest types and pictures of a carnal Christian that you can find. You know the story of Lot and Abram. The Bible said that God has spoken to Abram. He's told him to journey and he's going to give him up. He's given him a promise. He's going to give him the land and he's going to bless his seed. And so uh, Abram looks out and he, and he says, all right, Lord, I'll go. But before he goes, he has time. Uh, he goes back and he gets his nephew Lot. Uh, you know the story. Lot's traveled this journey and uh, along the journey we understand that God has miraculously and exceedingly and abundantly above all that they could ever ask or think blessed them uh, with material things. Uh, may I say tonight I'm not serving God for the material things that He can give me or that He has given me but they sure are blessing. Uh, the fact that we're sitting here tonight most of y'all had hot running water today to take a bath and had a running toilets and inside plumbing. Somebody say amen. Uh, thank God we had a vehicle to ride over in and if you didn't somebody did and you got something to eat tonight I mean the Lord's been good to us uh, this evening my friend and uh, when you begin to look over the lives of Lot and Abram uh, may I say there's nobody uh, that had more blessing in the physical realm than both Abram and Lot but may I remind you Lot has done nothing uh, to deserve the prosperity of the Lord uh, may I say it sometimes uh, it sure is a blessing to have good company uh, we understand that Abram was uh, uh, God's choice uh, uh, we understand that Abram was the one uh, that God has made covenant with uh, uh, that he would make a great nation from him uh, and his seed and those that would uh, uh, those that would rise against him would be cursed and those that would bless him would be blessed and, and so Lot has just fell in if you will uh, the big realm of blessings from God. Well, here we are now in Genesis chapter number 13. And the Bible said that both Lot and Abram have equally reached an agreement uh, that their prosperity has flourished to the point that neither of them had the room necessary uh, to continue what God had given them to do. Uh, they had herdsmen, the Bible said. In other words, uh, they had farmer boys that would work for them uh, that would tend to their cattle and uh, that would tend to feeding and keeping them in the pasture and all that goes into that and they've run out of room so uh, the Bible said that Abram and Lot uh, the Bible said their, their herdsmen have begun to quarrel uh, their herdsmen have begun to fuss and fight does anybody in a Baptist church know what that is uh, they begin to argue uh, well I just think it's right uh, that we get this land and y'all need to go somewhere else. Well, if it wasn't for my master Abram, y'all bunch of rednecks wouldn't even be here. So if anybody's got to move, it ought to be you. Well, how about we just take this to Abram and Lot then? I mean, I, I've got my money on Abram. I've got my money on Lot. Abram knocked Lot out in the next week and you know it. Uh, Lot ain't no match, I'm telling you. And they went back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and finally Abram says, Lot, we're going to have to talk. Uh, look with me again if you would there 
Uh, in verse number 9, uh, Abram said, Is not the whole land before thee? He's talking to Lot. Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left hand, then I'll go to the right. Or if thou wilt depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. It looks to me like Abram is being very civil. It looks to me like Abram is being very fair. Really, too fair. Again, had Abram not been in the picture, Lot would have had no decision to make. He'd have still been somewhere back yonder on the plains of Portis uh, trying to find something to do uh, just to pay the bills next week. Uh, but here he is now in the biggest prosperity season of his life. And Abram says it's time to make a choice. Uh, he said, I'm going to give this choice to you. Wherever you want to go, I'm praying you make the right decision. Wherever you want to go, I'll take your leftovers. But at the end of the day, I do not want the to come between me and you. Abram loves Lot. Abram's put Lot in the driver's seat. And so we look this past Sunday about the carnal Christian. Lot, we know this, the Bible said was a righteous man. If it didn't say that, you wouldn't know it. Was anybody going to help me on a Wednesday night? If it did not say it, we would not know it. Lot, you know the story. Uh, he picks the plains, the well-watered plains. He looks out and he picks the place that would benefit him and his riches the most. I've always said it like this. Sodom and Gomorrah was a wonderful place to raise cattle, but an awful place to raise children. But Lot pushes all the spiritual things aside. And all he can see is one thing. He is, number one, we said, selfishly, Consider it. All Lot can do is see what will benefit him. Are you listening to me tonight? I've talked about Abram and Lot. You can study the Scriptures. Up to this point, they're inseparable. I mean, there's nothing that has came between them up through hardships and hard times and up through difficulty. They've stuck together. But my friend, when it came to who can make the most money, you better know Lot stepped up the plate and he said, I'll be willing to take the first step away. I'll be the first one to break fellowship. I'll be the first one to leave you and what you've done and all you've done for me behind. I'm not worried about you anymore. Sound like somebody, anybody y'all know. I mean, if it had not been for you, they'd have never seen the goodness of God in their life. But you're the first person they can turn their back on. What in the name of God causes people to do that? I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell you why. They forget where they come from. And they turn this thing called life all in favor of themselves. Selfishly consider it. Lot is so selfish. Can I say, my friend, that uh, both of these men are very rich. The land can't hold them. But again, had it not been for Abram, Lot would have had nothing to worry about. And I said Sunday, it, it seems to me like the thing to do would have been step back and say, Abram, You've been good to me. If you hadn't came and got me, I would not have been on this journey no how. And so I'm not about to choose. I want you to choose whatever you want. I'll take the leftovers. My God, if, again, if it wasn't for you, Abram, I, there ain't no way I'd even be faced with this decision. But Lot doesn't hesitate. Lot don't seek counsel. Lot don't have a prayer meeting. Lot don't go talk to his herdsmen. First thing Lot does is look up and see Sodom and Gomorrah and the well-watered plains. He said, I'll take that. You know what that left Abram with? The Bible 
Bible said it left Abram with the mountains, uh, which was most definitely uh, the most unprofitable place uh, to try to further uh, his occupation, if you will, as a cattleman. Uh, but Lot made no waste of time to pick what benefited him the most. Selfish. Selfishly considerate. One commentator said it like this. He said, Businesses, riches, profit, real estate can provide so much comfort, but it often has this inconvenience that it does not often allow us to remain in unity with those we love so often or so long as we wish it would. Did you catch what the, what the scholar said? He said there's great benefit to riches. There's great benefit to real, real estate. There's great benefit to business and profit. Uh, but oftentimes those things, uh, uh, when they get a hold of you, uh, listen, you reach out for them, but what people fail to realize is when you reach out for that type of thing uh, instead of you grabbing on to it it grabs on to you I mean there's a many a good men my friend uh, uh, who used to be loyal to God and used to serve in the church uh, uh, but tonight they're serving their own bellies uh, and tonight my friend uh, uh, they pick making a dollar over bringing their family to the house of God uh, uh, that may not be you I know you're sitting here but you better heed the warning uh, that riches and business and profit and real estate and the comforts of this world there's a great price to pay when the riches of this world grab a hold of you. It'll make you carnal. It'll make you selfish. It'll make you put everything you've got in front of you and forget where you got it from. Every good and every perfect gift cometh from above. Let me tell you something. If you've got $2 in the bank, shout. It's more than you deserve. Well, I need a little help right there. Let me, let me go. If you've got negative $2, shout. That's all right. You don't deserve it anyhow. And if you've got $200,000, you better surely, you better tithe, first of all. Then you better shout. Amen. You better shout and thank God He's been good to you. Listen to me, friends. Uh, I'm trying to tell you that riches corrupted uh, uh, the, 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 the spiritual position of life. The Bible still says, for the love of money is the root of all evil. I'm trying to tell you tonight, there's nothing wrong with having money, but if you love your money, more than you love God. You're headed down a one-way road to destruction. Had it not been for the Lord opening your eyes and breathing in your lungs and keeping your heart beating, ain't no way you could ever earn a dollar. But my friend, we'd better set everything of this world aside and focus on the Lord Jesus Christ and what He'd have. By the way, it's all going to burn up one day. Amen. I don't care if you rolled up in a pinto, some kind of lime green puke yellow pinto car barely running, the Cadillac converter's been cut off, or you've got a $100,000 vehicle. When the world, when the Lord rains fire down, judgment on this world, they all gonna burn at the same degree. Are you listening to me? I mean, I'm about sick and tired of the church folks, uh, and it's crept into the church world uh, uh, where we're worried about who's driving what, who's wearing what. Hey, neighbor, you better hear me. It ain't none of our blessed business. Who Who's doing what and what they've got and how much money they're making. Get your eyes off of the things of this world and put them back on the Lord Jesus Christ. You cannot let carnal things distract you from heavenly things. Time's running out. People's going to hell. Our family's running out of time. Our church is running out of time. This ministry's running out of time. We ain't got time to look at cattle. We've got to look for converts. We've got to look out and try our best to make a difference.
difference why we've got time. Carnal Christianity. Boy, it's killing our churches. It's killing our churches. Riches have replaced a relationship. There was a relationship between Lot and Abram, but riches have now replaced that. Lot is looking at dollar signs instead of those who were responsible for carrying him along this journey of great blessing. Can I say before he went with Abram, he was poor, pitied, and pliable. You know what pliable is, don't you? He was able to be worked. You know what we are, don't you? We're clay. How many of y'all has ever heard? It's in your Bible, but how many of y'all has all ever heard that song about the potter and the clay? We are the clay. You know what riches do? They harden the clay. You know the old song the kids sing? He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. Took him just a week to make the moon and the stars, the sun and the earth and Jupiter and Mars. How talking something happened, he's still working on me. Until we graduate to glory, he ought to be forming us and making us and molding us. Are you with me? But when you sit carnal and you get worldly and fleshly and your affections are on things of this world instead of the things of God, the quickly soon after you become hard-hearted. Do you all remember what God did to Pharaoh's heart? I mean, he hardened his heart over and over and over and over and over again. Why did he do that? Uh, to teach them children of Israel and Moses. Uh, uh, listen, my friend, I'm going to tell you something. You can't do a blessed thing with clay when it's hardened. But if you'll say st- stay soft uh, and stay pliable and stay moldable and stay heavenly have your vision set on heaven and stay heavenly minded and stay humble and stay meek and stay low hey ain't no good in out of us tonight outside of what Jesus done on the cross of Calvary only difference between me and the harlot and the drunk and the dope addict and the dope dealer and the murderer and the pedophile and the pervert is the good Crimson blood that's been applied to my account. We're no better than this old world. Quit looking through the eyes of carnality and look through the eyes of Christ. Can't stand it when Christians think they're better than everybody else. You ain't worth a plug nickel. You ain't going to get that at the big church. They're going to tell you how wonderful you are. I'm going to tell you how awful you are because that's what the Bible says. That's right. Oh, we're rich. We're, we're peculiar people, royal priesthood. But it ain't nothing about us. It's because the King of Glory is living in those who are saved tonight. He's the best thing. That old song said, Lord, you're the best thing that's ever happened to me. I'm trying to tell you, life is a Christian. He's righteous. We know that. The Bible said his soul was vexed daily with the filth and the wickedness of Sodom and Gomorrah, but it hardened himself. He was no longer pliable. He pushed back the standard and the condition and the, and the rules and the regulations that he knew God had set forth in his life so he could live a life of carnality. He was a carnal Christian. Secondly, it took me two weeks to get here. Secondly, I want you to see about carnal Christianity. <coughs> Excuse me. Not only will carnal Christianity make you selfishly considerate, But I want you to look with me in verse number 6. 
The Bible said the lamb was not able to bear them that they may dwell together, for their substance was great. You know what else carnal Christianity will do? It'll make you selfishly considerate, but it'll also make you substance controlled. Did you see verse number 6? The lamb was not able to bear them that they might dwell together, for their substance was great. The things. Lot is controlled by things. May I say, had Lot took five minutes to look around and see that everything he had was a product of God's faithfulness to Abram, he would have done whatever it took to stay close to Abraham. So why did Lot choose to walk away? Because his substance had taken control of his choices. Lot was captivated by what he had more than who he had. Are you with me tonight? My friend Lot had Abram on his side and Abram had God on his side what in the world would make a man walk away from God and the man of God the answer is very clear it was substance it was things it was possession it was prizes it was money it was fame and power and authority may I say once Lot looked around and seen his substance and all that he had acquired he was then taken captive and controlled by the very things God had blessed him with. Uh, he was more consumed uh, with his substance than he was with whom uh, his substance was given. May I say carnal Christianity is focused on what you can get, what you can gain and grow on your own more than it is what you can give, what you can sacrifice, what you have to offer. May I say real Christianity uh, is focused on giving and sacrificing and serving. May I say it does not take long to figure out who is right with God and who is not in our text tonight. Look at verse number 8. Abram said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee and between my herd and thy herd for we be brethren is not the whole land before thee separate thyself pray thee for me that will take the left and I'll go to the right if thou depart the right I'll go to the left Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah even as the garden of the Lord like the land of Egypt as thou comest unto Zor then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan and Lot journeyed east and they separated themselves one from the other we got a giver and a taker in our text tonight amen Who's the giver? Brother John, he steps back and he says, I'm willing to give you whatever you want. Lot steps up and says, I'm willing to take whatever you'll give. Come on, somebody. Does anybody know a handful like that? I ain't never in my life seen people complain so much over and won't do nothing about what they're complaining about. I used to preach like this all the time and I, I veered away from it, but... We got some new faces and new families, and I, I, I and so I need to start hitting some of that older stuff. Don't you ever come to me complaining and having a problem if you're not willing to be the solution. Amen. Come on, somebody. Right. I just don't like how the church is looking. Ain't been clean two weeks. What have you been doing? Yeah, Amen. Are you with me? I mean, I'm talking about carnal Christianity tonight where it's all substance controlled and substance controlled people, this is their life. This is their mentality. Give it, give it, give it, give it, give it, give it. But a real Christian is not saying give me, they're giving. Are you with me? Lot saying I choose. I want that. Abram saying I'll give you whatever you want. Lot saying I'm going to take whatever you'll give. I mean, he is running the milk cow dry Uh, when it comes to Abram. And he's for God. Had it not been for the man of God, he couldn't have had nothing anyhow. Hey, you better hear me. There's spiritual.
mediocres in the room tonight. You ain't going to be spiritual yourself. You ain't going to walk with God. But you're going to milk off the church. And milk off the preacher. And milk off a bunch of Christians. That's paying the price. It's time for you to step up. And do something. And contribute. Quit coming here and shouting. When you ain't praying. Quit coming in here and rejoicing. When you ain't fighting the battle. Quit coming in here. Acting like you're walking at the foot of the cross. God, us, and everybody else know you ain't right with God. You're a taker and not a giver. Yes, sir. Carnal Christian. Yes, sir. Give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. Gotcha. Yes. Yeah. That's their mentality. Right. Amen. And once you give out, they go to another cow. They go to another. Start pulling on their mothers. Yeah. And they're going to drive that one up. That's right. You might as well help me. Some of y'all know them. You've seen them. You've seen them. Give me, give me, give me, give me. There's substance control. Amen. Let me tell you about those give me Christians that are that are milking the spirituality of a church. All churches go through seasons. We're not going to shout year round every year. There's going to be hard times. Yes. There will be times where the devil's fighting us tooth and nail. Every family in the room's under attack. Right. That's pretty much where we're at right now. In case you're wondering. Yes. All right. I, I, every family I've been talking to, I've been telling them, you feel like you're the only one, but there's 25 just like you. Yeah. You might as well say amen. I mean, everybody, y'all know, I'm looking at you. You've talked to me. I know your problems. You know your problems. Some of you ain't come to me and you've got problems. I mean, we're under attack. And the reason being is nothing that comes from God, the glory, and all, all the things that we've got here. It's not free. And I'm going to tell you about those cheapskate, milking, are you with me? Welfare Christians that are standing in line to get everything everybody else is paying for. Everybody else is blood and sweat for. It. Are you with me tonight? I mean, there's some people standing here, myself included. It took seven years to get where we at. And you're going to rap about what we got? Where in God's name you've been for the last seven years? Walking down here working and laboring and worrying and threatening and about to die. I mean, it's been a price that's had to be paid. That's what you can do is fall in line and say, hey, it's ain't about what I can get. It's what I can give. Amen. I just ain't getting this quite as much as I thought I would, Brother Josh. Won't you just stick around and give a little? That's right. Yeah. You'll start getting once you start giving. Right. Substance controlled. Carnal Christianity. They're substance controlled. He could not look past the cattle and the cattle and the bank account yep. to see the right thing to do was say, Abram, I'm just here for the luck for the right. I'm following you. Had it not been for you, I wouldn't be where I'm at. Are you with me tonight? I'm trying to tell you this thing's going to get better and better and better. But it's, the more it gets better, the harder it's going to get. I heard it this past week when I was out of town. Some of them old men of God been pastoring 40. Some of them 40 and 50 years. They said pastoring with the years don't get easier. It gets harder. You say, is that discouraging? No. Because I look at them and I see that God give them grace. When the getting got better. But the battle's gone harder. The same grace that will take you up and let you shout is the same one that will help you when you when it's time to pout. I'm trying to tell you, friend, this thing ain't about us. It's about Him tonight. Carnal Christianity puts all the emphasis on the substance and none on the Savior. Are you with me? Yes. Carnal Christianity. My friend, I want to say that 
Not only will carnal Christianity make you selfishly considerate and substance control, but it will make you strifeful and contentious. Look at verse 7 with me, please. Is everybody all right? Amen. There was strife <coughs> between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle. Now, quick note here. Substance is often the occasion of strife and contention among relations and neighbors. This was one of those foolish and hurtful lusts. If you're not careful, you'll fall into. May I say this tonight? Substance will not only bring forth contention, but it will also bring forth one of those things most commonly argued about. Riches, if you will, or what possession, whatever you may have. Though the, uh, this, this also stirs up a spirit of contention by making people proud and covetous. Are you with me? When Lot and Lot's herdsmen and Abram and Abram's herdsmen, when the strife came between the two herdsmen, listen to me, there was contention and strife because there was an issue with pride. That's what substance, riches, profit. That's what it does. When you're a carnal Christian, you know what you're going to have issues with every time? Pride. Because carnality makes life all about you. Let me tell you something. If you've got pride in your heart, there ain't a church in America to help you. There ain't a pastor in America that can preach to you. If you've got issues, are y'all women tonight? If you've got issues with pride, there's no help for you until you get humble. That's right. I, I don't know how to say other than this. The Bible said that if you want help, you've got to be humble. That's it. Holiness and humility go hand in hand. You're never going to find someone in holiness without humility. And you're never going to find somebody clothed in humility that's not holy. They go hand in hand. Can I tell you, Jesus never had an issue with pride. We all have had issues with pride. It's in our flesh. It's a fruit of the flesh, if you will. Pride. The Bible says many things about pride. Pride goeth before destruction and a holy spirit before a fall. I'm trying to tell you tonight that when pride gets swelled up in your heart, there's strife and contention soon to follow. Isn't it amazing that really the issue did not start between Lot and Abram, the leaders. It started with their congregations. You with me? The herdsmen who instigate on this. Let me tell you what's dangerous. When the herdsmen, the congregation, start talking about what the leader needs to do amongst themselves. You know how strife and contention gets in the church? Because you got pride and think you know everything. And so you're going to start ordering what, what Abram or Lot needs to do and what he ain't doing. And I tell you right now, this is what we ought to be doing. This is the direction we ought to be going. This is what he ought to be doing. This is the thing he ought to be preaching. This is the thing he ought to be preaching. This is who he ought to let lead. This is who he shouldn't let lead. Listen, God didn't call you to be a backup driver in the back seat. Just shut up and follow. Amen. Listen, that's where it comes from. You want to know why church is split? It ain't, the, it ain't the cattle driver. It's the herdsman. You got half of them for and half of them against you. 
Come on, he don't never know about the tail everything John. He blows up and done and everybody's he leaving. Hit him. Hit him. Hit him. I'm the last one, seem like, to find out, but I ain't the only one in America. I feel like probably every pastor in America is the last one to find out. Oh yes. Are you with me? Are you with me tonight? I'm here to preach. You didn't come for preaching. You can get in your car and go get a little Caesar's pizza and go to the house. I'm here to preach. I want the blessing and the favor of God on this place. Amen. But we'll never see it. Preach it out. There's strife and contention. Amen. Are you with me? Amen. Well, I've never been guilty of that. Well, let me ask you people a question here. Why is it that stuff keeps flooding back? So and so saying about this one and that one. What are you doing? You're sowing strife and contention. Are you with me? Come on, somebody. It's right, but it's right. It's right. Preach to it. You know what that's called? Carnal Christianity. Amen. You know the best way to get a solution to your problem? It's not amongst each other. Let me ask something. Is there anybody in this church if there's a major issue with the church, the function of the church, what's going on with somebody in the church that any of y'all can do anything about? Nothing. Nothing. You can go to them at the end of the day. They flip you off. You go get a, a Wendy's cheeseburger. And, I mean, ain't nothing going to get done. You with me? Yes, sir. You come to me and say, so and so on Discord. Then something can be done. Right. But I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do what the Bible says. I'm going to them. And if they don't listen, go to me the witness. If they still don't listen, I'm bringing their butt for the church. Why? So you flex your muscle? No, it's God's word. It's what God said to do. And the only way you're going to keep a church in unity and holiness is to follow the order of the book. Amen. Are you with me? Yes, sir. Well, some of y'all was left a long time ago. I'm right, Strife and contention. You know what the saddest part of this story is? It was the herdsman that got in the rela- the middle of the relationship of Lot and Abram. He was the herdsman. Look with me if you would there. I want to read this again. Verse number, uh, verse number 8. Abram said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee. Guess who he puts at the top of the list? Himself and Lot. Now, they didn't have no problems, but he knew there was problems in the herdsmen, the congregation. He said, please let there be no strife between me and thee and between my herdmen and thy herdmen. Look here, why? If ever Baptist and ever Christian in the world could get this down, we could, we could have a worldwide revival. Why? For we be Amen. Let me tell you something. If you think you're going to like everything everybody says and does, you have lost your ever-loving right. mind. That's right. But as much as you would like to kill them, plunge them into 20 acres of hell and forget about them, Amen. Jesus loves them just like He loves you. Amen. And if they're saved, they're as much a son as you are. That's right. You might not like that, but it don't change the fact that it's the truth. Somebody that's faithful to church and contributing and praying and preaching and singing and shouting and soul winning. I mean, and then you got this one who just shows up here, there, and yonder and milk seems like everything they can. Hey, it ain't none of my business. All that's supposed to do is love them. Amen. They're going to answer for their own account, their own life. Yes. Quit letting everything everybody does detour you from serving Jesus. Right. 
Because if you're people driven, you might as well just hang it up right now. Amen. Amen. Whoever you're sitting beside tonight is going to let you down. Whoever's sitting behind you is going to let you down. Whoever you're looking at preaching tonight is going to let you down. I'm going to fail you. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. But this thing ain't about us. That's right. It's about him. Addiction. Strife. It's a matter of pride. It's carnal Christianity. I've only been preaching 30 minutes. Seems like a lifetime, don't it? Sodom may have been a great place to raise cattle, but it sure wasn't a good place to raise children. Lot put his own desires, not only above Abram, but he put them above his own family. You know what people forget every time they walk away from the church over strife and contention? You know where you're headed? If you, let me tell you something. When you leave God and the man of God, in this instance it's Abraham, and you head towards Sodom, all you're gaining is destruction, doom, are you with me? Desertion, sin, in this instance, salt, not in a good way. You with me? I wonder when Lot lost everything, if he looked back to that day and thought, I wish I'd have stayed with Abram. You know how many people's left the house of God, the will of God, the man of God, the ways of God, the word of God, everything about God, and they head down to Sodom and it all looks good and they prosper at first. Shoot. That preacher told me if I ever left church, I was going down. I ain't doing better than I've ever done. I ain't got no pie. I just told somebody this week, you don't have problems when you're living in Sodom at first. Amen. You know what the devil's doing? The devil's a marvelous, he is, he is a wonderful artist. And he paints so many beautiful pictures. And you bite the bait. Right. I'll tell you something. And it all looks good at first. But then you get word. God's fixing to judge, rain judgment, wrath down on this place. What are you going to do? Well, now, Lot's family, their heart's down inside. Not how many times he tells them we got to go. His, his, his sons-in-laws laugh at him. That's right. We, we talked about that in Sunday school this past Sunday. His son-in-laws literally said they made fun of him. Who are you to tell us to get out of here? You're the reason we're here, Lot. What happens? He loses them. Let me tell you something. When you leave the house of God over strife and contention that typically ain't worth nothing, a hill of beans anyhow, you're walking you and your family. I've told too many people this, so I'm going to listen, so I have not. You're walking you and your family into Sodom. That's right. Every single day. Oh, it looks good. I've had him tell me things have been easier this last year or two than they've ever been. That's because the devil's still baiting you. Yes, sir. There ain't no spiritual warfare when you're on the enemy's side. Yeah. It's hard to get darts thrown at you when you're standing behind the one throwing the darts. If he's leaving your life, you ain't going to get a dark, neighbor. You're, you're standing in the background wherever there's just a good cold breeze blowing over. But what you don't see down yonder is a father that loves you. A father that's been sitting on the porch waiting for his child to come home. By the way, the prodigal son's daddy did not go to the far country and say, come on, let me lead you out. But the prodigal had to come to himself and repent. He had to get sick of walking with pigs and sleeping with pigs and eating the husk of pigs. Make his way back to Father. It'll all seem fine and well. But one day you'll wake up like the prodigal. And there's no man to help you. 
about God. I don't know why he does it. But when you crawl back home, first thing the father done to that prodigal is fall on him. Yeah, that's it. You don't know why he done that? Not only he loved him, he's keeping those who were naysayers and Pharisees from killing him. You know what he deserved? Stoned. But they couldn't stone the son because the father. Next thing you find, not only did he fall on him, he kissed him, but he put a robe on his back. Whose robe was that? His? No, it was the father's robe. Said, Daddy of the prodigal. And he put his robe on him. He started looking a whole lot more like the father. Then he put a ring on him. You know what that ring did anywhere he went in town? He could show that ring and he knew. They knew right there and charged that to the count of the father. And just for alliteration's sake, the Bible said he put a robe on his hand, a ring on his finger, and then he put rebots on his hands. That's exactly right. Give him the king's shoes. Give him a good pair of Reeboks. Amen. Clothed his feet. And then, for another alliteration sake, then he had a ribeye. Amen. The Bible said that he had prepared the fact that. Now, listen to this. This is amazing. I love the prodigal. Probably my favorite thing to preach on. The Bible said that the father had prepared the fatted calf. When that boy left, that calf wasn't ready to die. The father was preparing, feeding, and taking care of that calf the whole time the son was gone. And my mama was sitting on the rocking chair every morning rocking, and daddy was looking down the road, wondering if he'd come back. Every day he was getting ready. He's telling mama, don't cry. He's going to come back for too long. Don't you cry. He's going to come back for too long. And when he got back, the calf was standing, and they had the best ribeye he'd ever tasted. I mean, can you imagine going from slot to a to a king steak, friend? I'm trying to tell you, that's exactly what God will do. Don't you let out this little strife and contention lead you out at the Father's house. You'll earn lessons the hard way. Yes, He'll take you back, but you'll have scars you would not have had to bear. You'll just stay at the Father's house. Strife and contention. Carnal Christianity. I'm hurrying. Trying to finish this stuff. 41 minutes now. Longest 11 minutes of y'all's life. I know it was. <clears throat> I, want to see, I want you to see a few things. Number one about this contentious tribe. I want you to see the danger of this contention. Look at verse 7. The Bible said there was strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle. Look here. The Canaanite, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> excuse me again, and the uh, Perizzite dwelled in, in the land. Now, that, that may not mean much to you. But I want you to understand something. The real issue is that this, these Canaanites and Perizzites, uh, they are also dwelling in the land that where the strife and contention is and it's very dangerous. Now listen, if Abram and Lot cannot agree to feed their flocks together, it's expected that their common enemy, which is who we just read, would not hesitate to come upon them and war against them both. In other words, here's the Canaanites the, say that. Am I saying that right? The P, parasite. Yep. Is that right? Okay. That's what I'd say. I don't know. Parasite. Kind of sound like parasite. So I'm. Yeah. But the. Parasite. Family's out. Say it like that, nobody knows. Family's
That's a meat company, Williamsburg, C&P Meats. But anyways, C&P, all right, guess what they are? They're on the outside of all this land that God has just given to Abram, and they're mouse-watering. They want it. They're not happy that God's given it to Abram. And here's Lot. And now, not only are they set back watching them take everything they thought they deserved, but now they see Abram and Lot and Abram's herdsmen and Lot's herdsmen are all fighting over the land. You know what the devil sees when he sees traffic attention? An easy target. Well, this is going to be a whole lot easier to overthrow when the house is divided against itself because it cannot stand. You know what you do when you cause some problems within the four walls of this church? You are putting the biggest red bullseye on Stillwater Baptist Church that's ever been known to man. Amen. When the devil sees handfuls over here doing this, and another handfuls over here doing this, and another handful saying this, and another handful saying that, and we're all fussed and fight, really, we ought to just be shouting that God's give us breath to breathe to come to the house of God one more time. I mean, really, they shouldn't have been fussing and fighting over nothing. They should have just counted a blessing that God would be so good to them. Right. But instead, they're carnal, which means they're proud. And after pride comes contention and strife. And so then there's problems. And there's division. And when there's division, guess what's soon to take place? There's an attack. Let me tell you what strife and contention does. It sets you up for an attack. I'm going quickly. I don't want to see strife and contention. We see the the, uh, danger of it. We see the distraction of it. Can I tell you that all eyes are on Abram and Lot? Can I tell you if all people know is the horror stories of this one done that, and this one's run off of this one's husband, this one's run off of that one's wife, and this one's done this, and this one's saying this one's doing this, and this one's saying this one's drinking, and this one's saying that and drugging. Are you with me? Come on, somebody. Yeah. All you're doing is creating a, a, a major distraction. It's going to be hard for a sinner to focus on Jesus at this place as all he hears horror stories. Yeah. How many churches you know, all you know is bad about them? Because there was a bunch of herdsmen. Yeah. And nobody do nothing with the herdsmen. And so next thing you know, they print a public newspaper and spread it all over town. And next thing you know, there's a major distraction and danger. Strife and contention. What else does carnal Christianity do? Carnal Christianity will make you sinfully choose. I ain't got time to preach it all. I've already preached most of it. In verses number 8 through verse number 13, Abram's proposal for peace was very fair. But Lot did not make the right choice. He sinfully chose. I'm not going to preach it because I've already preached so much on it. Then what will carnal Christianity do? Listen to me. Carnal Christianity will eventually lead you to being captured slave. We just read about strife and contention. Now we're going to look at what it leads to. Remember I told you it puts a target on your back? Go with me to chapter 14. Genesis 14. Look here and I'll be done. Carnal Christianity. Look at verse 10. And the veil of Siddim was full of slime pits. And the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled and fell there, and they that remained fled to the mountain. And they took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their victuals and went their way. And they took Lot, Abram's brother's son, who dwelt in Sodom and his goods, and departed. And there came one that had escaped and told Abram the Hebrew, for he dwelt in the plain of Mamre, the Amorite, the brother of Ischol, and 
the brother of Aner, and these were confederate with Abraham. Now I'm not going to read all that, but do you see what's just taking place? Lot has forsaken Abram. The goodness of God, the blessing of God, the covenant of God, the promise of God. Because all he could see was the benefits of Sodom for himself. So in his carnality, he pushes everything spiritual aside and says, I'm going where the well-watered plains are because it's a good place to raise what? But not children. But Lot ain't thinking about his children. Lot's thinking about himself. Just like everybody else that leaves the house of God and goes to Sodom, they're not thinking about their children until their children get burned up and lost. Are you with me? Yeah. Think about themselves. That's carnal Christianity. And so here he goes. Then all of a sudden, rumor has it that there's a great division among these two preachers that nobody knows nothing about. That God sent them in their congregations. There's a big church blow up. Next thing you know, guess who's on the slave wagon? It's Lot. Not just Lot. What the Bible say? And all his goods. Can I tell you something tonight? And I'm done. If you go to Sodom, you better hear me. This is your warning. I'm done. We're going home. Ashley's had enough. She's out of here. <laughs> Call me two. Smoke one for me, girls. I'm going to ride home. Love you. Just keep your paddle dry. Well, don't start back then. Listen to me. We're done. Deacon, we go to Sodom. You know what you become when you get out in this world? A slave. You know what's the word before you got saved? Slave to sin. Slave to Satan. Servant of sin. Servant of Satan. And you can return to the same strongholds as a child of God. I need eight more than one amen right there. Lot is still righteous. I can take you and show you he is a righteous man. He did not lose his righteousness because he was taken captive of Sodom and Gomorrah. He was just vexed. He was just vexed because it was not who he was. But he was a carnal Christian. Because he was a carnal Christian, he becomes a captured slave. It's exactly what's going to take place in each one of your lives if you leave the house of God, the house of bread. Are you with me? Yes, sir. You see the well-watered plains of Sodom in your carnality, choosing to do what you want to do instead of what God wants you to do. Focusing on the things of this world and the pettiness of people and the pettiness of problems and the pettiness of this, that, or the other. When you set your affections on Sodom, he didn't go to Sodom starting out. All he did was pitch his tent toward Sodom. But if you're looking out there long enough, it won't be long you'll be out where you've been looking. And once you get there, it all looks good at first, but then you become a slave. So what are you saying, preacher? Don't be carnal. Be a real Christian. Be like Abraham. Instead of take, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. Be like Abraham. Here's all I can give. Right. Amen. That's all saying. Father, love you. Thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you, opportunity to preach. Pray, Lord, that you'll move and bless in the hearts of your people for what you do. We'll thank you and praise you. We love you. And uh, may we take this, Lord, and apply it to our hearts and our life. May we do better in the days to come. Please bless the invitation in Jesus' name. Amen. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Altars are here.
The Bible still says in the book of 1 Corinthians, If any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hand stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest. For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved. Yet so is the fire. That's a lot if I've ever seen it. That's a carnal Christian. Everything he had burned up. He was saved from the fire, but he had nothing. Altars are here if you need to come.